so I grew up in the 60s and the 70s, and a popular uh, kind of show that was uh, on TV at that time, we didn't have a lot of shows on TV. If you grew up in that era, you know what I'm talking about. But they had sitcoms, and they'd often do these family kind of situations, and they'd had these kind of comedies. And I remember watching one, it must have been uh, more like in the later 70s, but at any rate, during this uh, sitcom, the family was having a very lively discussion. There was a lot of arguing going on, and the whole family was kind of ganging up on, on the dad. And his eldest son had moved out and had moved back in the house again. He was the main arguer with the dad. And at one point, the dad turns to the son. Now, I thought this was kind of funny. You may not think this is funny. But he turns to his son and said, I thought you moved out. Why are you back here again, and why are you acting like a teenager, you know? And so I thought, ah, oh, that's kind of funny. Um, any rate, this story will mean something in a moment. We are on week two of our Good Life series from the book of 1 Peter. And in this short epistle uh, of 1 Peter, Peter, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, um, has written a letter to encourage believers in their faith who are suffering persecution and trials and that kind of thing. And he's really showing these folks and he's showing us uh, how to experience the good life, the right life in spite of life's circumstances. So now we're going to go back to that initial illustration. What is your goal for your kids if you have parents? We just dedicated some kids here. If I were to walk over to you, and especially if you're a parent of young kids, what would you say you hope your child turns out to be? Would you be able to articulate that and put that into a a short phrase? I remember hearing when I was a a younger person, um, and I think I probably was in a parenting seminar actually, that the parents are called to aim their kids all that culture in this way. Now, when I say aim, it's like shoot them like arrows, okay, or whatever you want to use uh, for phrasing there. But what we're trying to do is create, ultimately, a responsible, independent adult who loves the Lord Jesus Christ and contributes positively to culture. That was the definition in this class. I thought, cool definition, way too long. Basically, what we're saying, or what was being said in that uh, seminar was you want your kid to grow up and do good. Amen? You want them to grow up and be a reasonably well-rounded, contributing adult. This is the kind of thought process that Peter brings us to now in the book of, of 1 Peter chapter 2. Basically, he, he, he's bringing us this idea that we have to grow up in our faith. We have to become mature, adult-like in our faith. So I want to ask you this reflection question, even as we begin to uh, unwrap the scripture this morning from 1 Peter chapter 2. What does it mean to grow up in your faith? Just start thinking on that. If someone were to ask you, what does it mean to grow up in your faith, how would you answer such a person? What would be your response? I want to begin here this morning by reading from 1 Peter chapter 2 and pull out our big thought right away. It's found in the first three verses. Um, And so here we go. We're going to dive into this. What does it mean to grow up in your faith? Answering that question this morning. Here's what it says in the scripture. Therefore, second therefore in this little short epistle already, the second therefore, 
Therefore, rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Now, I don't, if you were here last week, you remembered uh, that I instructed, whenever you see a therefore, what are you supposed to do? Ask, what is it there for? This is the second therefore already in this short epistle. This is like a double dare. Have you ever been a little kid and you had some friends say, I double dare you? You could never turn that down, could you? You know, I, I shouldn't share this, but I'm going to share it. I'm probably going to regret this. Okay, I'm going to share it. I was a second grader. And I remember sitting by this cute little girl. <laughs> Whatever is cutest to a second grader. I probably shouldn't share this, but I'm going to share it. <laughs> and so Bruce and I were sitting there, and I remember some friends double dared us to pull our dress up, which is not a good thing, okay? Can you turn down a double dare? No, we did it. That was so stupid. So then I ended up in the principal's office, and back then they had the wiffle board. Do you all know what that means? They had a board with holes cut in it, and you got swatted with that thing. And I remember thinking, that was the stupidest double dare I've ever done in my life. Anyway, I don't know why I said that. But double dare, double dare to me is kind of like the double dare for. They're just, there's something really, really, you know, there that you have to take and consider. It's, it's a grave thing. And so you got to remember that First Peter started this way. It started with some stuff that should weigh in in our lives. If, if we've been born again, some things happen that are, are given weights in our lives. If you've been born again, if you've asked Christ into your life as your Savior and, and, and your Lord, then you have this causing you to live hope of resurrection that's, that's weighing in on your life, right? You have this understanding that I'm now part of the family of God and Jesus is a friend of mine, and, he's, you know, and you have this relational thing going on, and there's this activity of God unleashed in your life that's ongoing. And so, so that, that weighs in as part of the new birth experience. Therefore, that's when the verse therefore came into, into being in, in the book of 1 Peter. Therefore, we're called to live this holy life, a life separated unto God. We're, we're called to live in reverent awe of God with our lives and we're to love each other deeply with agape, selfless, self-others-oriented love. Now we get to the second therefore. We're still kind of in the flow of this thing, okay? We got all this stuff weighing in our life. Therefore, Paul, or excuse me, Peter now says, you know what? Grow up. Mature in your faith. Become an adult. Move from adolescence to adulthood because there's a very change of perspective when that transpires. Would you agree with me on that? We're to live very differently because Christ is in us. Here's our big thought. We're to grow up in our salvation. Would you agree with me that it's healthy and it's really good for a child to grow up? Right? It's healthy and good for a child to become a contributed, uh, contributing adult. It's, 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 it's natural. It's right. It's good for them to hang around for about 18, 19, 20 years and then leave. Some of you parents, you know what I'm talking about? That's good. It's healthy. And Peter is essentially saying to us in his epistle, it's healthy, it's good, it's right for you to grow up in your salvation. 
consider this question with me this morning. Can you really experience the good life that God intends you to experience if you don't grow up in your salvation? Can you really experience what he has for you if you're not willing to become an adult in Christ? Think about the differences between babies and adults. Babies are all about themselves. It's natural. It's right. They don't know any better. They're self-absorbed. Little children have to be taught to share. It's not an innate thing. They're innately selfish. Put a bunch of two-year-olds together, throw some toys in there. They won't naturally say, it's your turn. I've had it long enough. Right? If you have little kids, you know what I'm talking about. This is not a stretch at all. On this dedication Sunday, we just dedicated a bunch of little babies. Aren't they cute? I bet every single one of those little babies thought as they woke up this morning, Mom and Dad are tired. I'll just sleep in here. I don't need anything. I'll lay here in my poo-poo diaper and no big deal. They don't think like that. They don't have the capacity yet. They're immature. They're self-absorbed. They want their needs met now. They cry when they don't get their way. It's normal and it's right and it's good. But if they're doing that when they're 15, 16, that's not normal, that's not right, that's not good. But adults, on the other hand, they're mature and parents are, are, are selfless. They take care of the child. They meet the child's needs. And oftentimes they do that in the middle of the night when they're really tired, right, Dave and Heidi? When you have little ones, you don't sleep. If you have little ones and you have an expectation to sleep, just get over it. It's not going to happen. It's okay for a season. You can do it. You're the adult. I used to, some, some parents would get really frustrated with their kids. I remember saying, I got some really good counsel for you. You're the adult. Oh, yeah. You need to act like that. They're the child. They're going to act like the child. And so what we have to realize here is we're to grow up in our faith. So what does a grown-up look like? As we continue on in 1 Peter chapter 2, that's the question that gets answered now. What does a grown-up look like in their faith? And that's going to be the question that I filter the rest of today through. Now, when you look at any scripture, you could get a multitude of insight from it. Amen? For brevity and for success this morning of a completing a message in some kind of timely manner, we're just going to filter everything in the remainder of this chapter through that question, what does a grown-up look like? It doesn't mean that's all that, that this chapter 2 of Peter talks about, First Peter talks about, okay? You, you see what I'm saying? But that's what we're going to use as our angle today. That's enough of a challenge. So here we go. We're going to go back to 1 Peter chapter 2. Listen to verses 4 through 8. It begins to tell us this is what a grown-up, this is what one who is maturing their salvation looks like. As you come to him, the living stone, that living stone's Jesus, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him. Now listen, you also, like living stones, are being built in a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. There's a whole bunch of insight here of what an adult looks like in Christ. Now is the reasons 
given why we should believe this and accept this. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him, Jesus, will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone that causes people to stumble on a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. Now remember, we're looking at this scripture through this filter, this question, what does an adult look like who follows Jesus Christ? So I, I really believe that most of that answer is given in verses 4 and 5. So that's where we're going to spend most of our time here for the next few moments. First of all, you see and live a bigger picture than yourself. Okay? You see and you live a bigger picture than yourself. You're part of what God is up to. So what we're going to do is pull out three little supporting thoughts to being part of a bigger picture than yourself that Scripture identifies for us here. First of all, you're a living stone, a part of the house of God. You're not independent. You're not on your own. You're not about life doing it what you want to do. You're part of something that God is up to. See, maturity understands that there's a bigger picture to life than me. Amen? You follow what I'm saying? If you have kids, one of the blessings of kids is it turns you from yourself to somebody else. I always tell people this. When you get married, it's a great thing for learning how to have character and selflessly giving to another human being. That person you're marrying doesn't complete you. They don't make the picture great. They don't, they're not going to satisfy all your love needs. They're there to develop your character. Does that make you want to get married today? It's a great way to learn how to be selfless with another human being. Seriously. And kids take that and put it on steroids. Because they come to you little and needy. And they don't give anything back. When they first smile, which is usually just gas, <laughs> you go crazy because you've just invested like three months in this kid. They finally smile back. There's some feedback here, right? It's probably gas. But at any rate... Eventually, they do really smile, and then, wow, that's just something. There's some, something about giving and seeing the bigger picture and doing something that's greater than you that satisfies the soul. Growing up in your faith means you see a picture bigger than yourself. The next phrase I think we need to zoom in on is that we're all part of this thing called the Holy Priesthood of Christ. And what that means when that label is used in the Bible is that every single follower of God has a calling to serve God and others. We're all part of the priesthood of believers. I'm looking at the holy priesthood of God right now. It's you guys. It's this church. It's the believers. You are to understand that you're here to serve God and to bless those around you by ministering to them in the name of Jesus Christ. That's part of growing up in your salvation, understanding it's not about what I'm consuming, it's not about what God is going to do for me, it's about what God wants to do through me to bless others. Right? That's part of growing up in your salvation. And this brings us to one last phrase in this little section of 1 Peter. I call this sacrificial lifestyle. We're supposed to 
offer spiritual sacrifices. There should be an offering of spiritual sacrifices going on in the, in the, in the life of the one who's growing up in the salvation. In my estimation, maturity is directly proportional to the willingness of that person to basically be sacrificial. The more mature you are, the more delayed your gratification can be, and the more sacrificial you're willing to be. Amen? I tell you what, these ones that are embarking upon raising children, you are called to a life of sacrifice if you're a parent. Period. And it doesn't end when they're 18 or 19. Sometimes it just gets almost worse. Because now they're an adult and they're on your own. You go, oh no, now they can really get in trouble. Right? And the, 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 whole, the, the whole picture gets bigger. And, and now you got grandkids and you just got more people to pray for and more people to be concerned about. And, and it's good. It's great, okay? But it's also sobering. And you have these concerns. And I, I want to just say this to you. With, I mean this with all my heart. I think a sign of maturity is the willingness of a person to sacrifice. It's delayed impulse need. It's delayed gratification kind of thing. It's willingness to pour your life into somebody else, and you may never, ever see a return for it, especially in your own families sometimes. Not in this lifetime, maybe. Amen? But you do it anyway. Why? Because you're an adult, and you've grown up in your salvation. That's why you do it. So growing up in our salvation means you're seeing yourself as this piece of this larger picture. Let's go on to uh, another point here. It's made in verses 9 through 10 of 1 Peter chapter 2. Let me read that to you. This is some really famous scripture. I think you're going to recognize some of this. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Let me ask you a question. How many of you here this morning remember your adolescent years? Yeah. Some of us are older. It's a vague memory. Some of you, you're in your 20s. You, you really remember it well. Some of you right now are going through it. You're in that later teenage years or early teenage years. Um, here's my memory of my adolescence years. I was really confused a lot. Anybody relate to me on that? You just, you're trying to figure out life. It's confusing and there's uncertainty. I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. And everybody's telling you when you're like 16, what are you going to do with your life? I don't know. I just hope my next basket I shoot goes through the hoop, you know. That's about how far I'm thinking out right now. You follow what I'm saying? And, and you know, people want you as a 17, 18-year-old, make a decision, go to college. Really? College? What? What for? You know, and I don't know what I'm doing. There's confusion and there's this, there's this uncertainty. At some point, though, you begin to figure it out a bit at least get directional a little bit more in your life. And you leave behind some of the confusion and some of that uncertainty. And you become more established in who you are, what you want to do, what you want to do for a living, and, and all that kind of thing. And that's part of what we call growing up. Right? It's part of growing up. What's Peter doing here? He's telling us this is what it looks like to grow up in your salvation. This is what it looks like to leave the uncertainty of adolescence behind. 
You need to get established in your identity and you need to figure out your purpose. And that's precisely what he does here in, in, in Peter chapter, or 1 Peter chapter 2. And this is point number two. You've left confusion behind and you're established in your identity and your purpose in Jesus. That's growing up in your salvation. You've left confusion behind. Your basic questions about Christianity have been answered. You're committed to following Jesus Christ. You're no longer doubting if there is a God. And when some problem comes your way, you don't begin to say, is God even real? You're established in that. You're fixed in that. And now you're understanding I have a purpose. You have an identity in Jesus Christ. Let's talk about this identity in Jesus Christ. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You're God's special possession. Is that clear to you? If you are a follower of God and you've experienced new birth, that is who you are. You're no longer struggling with that. It is part of your thought process of being a Christ follower. Now you have a purpose. And your purpose in Christ is this. You're declaring the praise of God. You're called out of darkness into his glorious light. So you're living this life of outward acknowledgement that God's my, my Savior and he's my Lord and I have this identity in him. I'm his child and I'm doing life for his glory and for his purposes because once I didn't know who he was, I was lost in my sin and, and I was confused, but now I know who he is and, I, and I'm bringing that light to bear on my life and the lives around me. Follow that? Growing up in your salvation. Growing up involves figuring out who you are and what your purpose in life is. I think that's paramount, by the way, to experiencing the good life. If, if you're going to experience life as Jesus meant, meant you to experience, you've got to figure out who you are in him and what his purpose is for you. Know what? The rest of uh, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2 is like a long list of application. We're going to blast through this really fast. Okay, are you with me on that? We're going to go through this next part really fast. It's like application of all the stuff we just talked about. Here's what it looks like to be an adult, to be growing up in Christ. Here's what it looks like just to put this stuff into full-blown uh, full application. So I'm going to read verses 11 through 25 of 1 Peter 2 very quickly. Here we go. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it's God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorance talks of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a covering up for evil. Live as God's slave. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Slaves and reverent fear to God. Submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is for it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in the steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to the one who just, uh, judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wound you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray. But now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So let's talk for just a minute or two on application. Here we go. As a grown-up in faith, 
Jesus calls you to live what I call the good life. Now, don't confuse this, because that's the name of our series. We want to attain, quote, a good life. And that, that, that's kind of like, you know, the life I've always desired. But now, in this scripture, we're called to live what's called a good life. The right life. A life dominated by Jesus and his ways. Uh, and, and so, to, in order to live this good life, Peter blasts you a bunch of things that you need to do. First of all, submit to authority. First of all, submit to authority. Now, I, I, I see a lot of people struggle with submission to authority because they say, well, my authority's not very good. You don't know how bad they are, blah, blah, blah. Put the context to this teaching. Who were these Roman rulers? Were they righteous men? Were they good men? Did they do right by the people? Were they ungodly men? Were they self-absorbed men? Were they brutish? Did they, did they administer justice unjustly? Yes. And Peter says, submit to them. And he says to the slaves, submit to your masters even when they're harsh. Why? Because it becomes this loud witness that you're governed by something greater than yourself. You're governed by Jesus Christ. And it becomes this loud witness of the reality of Jesus Christ. Not because you're just supposed to blindly submit to anybody, but because by submitting to those God has put an authority over you in a way that you would to the Lord Jesus Christ, you bring honor to Christ and you witness to his reality. Secondly, do what is right. That's a sign of maturity. You do what is right. I have a little granddaughter. I love her dearly. But she's a little bit of a, a conniver. You know what I'm saying? She's got a sweet personality. She's going to do well in life. But she's a stinker, too. You follow? She doesn't really do what's right unless you're watching her closely. So she got in my truck and walked all over my truck when we were up at the cab, and I could see her little footprints and everything. And I, I remember I went to her, and I said, were you in my truck? Oh, no, Grandpa. Really? No, I, I think I see little cute footprints in there. That wasn't me. And she was so sincere, and I thought, well, she didn't do anything. Well, then they, 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 they went to Duluth from Brainerd, my, my son and his daughter. I get this text with a picture. Whose keys are these? And I said, oh, no. Those are my keys from my truck. That stinker. She got into the keys, and, and she put them into their van in the cup holder. And so I'm going, do you need them? Well, they're kind of important, yeah. But I do have a spare set, so they still have my keys in Lincoln, Nebraska. And, and anyway, you follow what I'm saying. Little ones don't naturally do right. But when you grow up, right, like our age and we get older, you should not take the keys. <laughs> right? We should do right. We're adults. That's what, that's what the Peter is saying here. And doing right, growing up your salvation means you're willing to suffer for doing good. You forgive and you don't retaliate. There's, there's forgiveness and, 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 and you don't retaliate. You know, there's no retaliation. Um, and you entrust yourself to the Lord. Like Jesus, he just entrusted himself to God. We just entrust ourselves to the justness of God. And we're not worried about justice on this planet because we've entrusted our lives to God. Okay, let's go to one more application. Live as a servant to God. When all is said and done, if you grow up in your salvation then you quit asking adolescent questions. Adolescent questions are like this. What can I get away with? What do I have to do? How far do I have to go to follow God? What do I have to abstain from? That's adolescence. The adult says, how do I serve God in every situation? How do I bring glory to his name in here? You quit asking adolescent questions. You follow what I'm saying? There's a way different approach. 
It's not about what I can get away with. It's how much can I do to bring glory to my Lord. And here's why this is so important. Get this critical perspective. Living a good life, I'm taking this right life, is essential for the furtherance of the gospel. It's how you speak and how you witness to the gospel. A sure way for the message of Jesus to lose its impact in a culture far gone from God is for those who say that we love Jesus Christ to live no differently than someone who does not love Jesus Christ. That's one of the, the quickest ways for it to lose its impact. Let me give you this saying again. You've heard me say this over and over and over since I've been here for the last eight, nine years now. And this is what's, what, what 1 Peter chapter 2 is getting at. Good works, a good life, doing right, living righteously, doing the things that Paul says to do here because you've grown up in your salvation, leads to goodwill. You get favor from those around you, which then leads to opportunities to share the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why this is so important. It ultimately leads to the good life too, by the way. A year ago now, we did a, a series called The Remnant in the fall. And in that series, we talked about living in the margins of culture anymore as Christians, that we're not mainstream and we don't have the, the majority by any means. And we, we talked a lot about how do you speak into a culture where you've been marginalized, when you've been pushed to the edges and where basically you've been minimized and, and, and how do you have a voice in, into that culture? You know what? That's what the scripture is all about that we read this morning. From 1 Peter chapter 2. When we choose to grow up in our salvation and live the good life that God calls us to live, then we have a voice into culture that's trying to marginalize us. Amen? And in addition to that, life is what it's supposed to be, and you experience then the good life that Christ has for you. Amen? So let's pray, and then we're going to close in song. Lord God, I want to thank you for this day. Thank you for uh, the epistle of 1 Peter and for all the insight it has for us. And I want to pray this morning that we would see that if we want to really experience what we often feel is, a, is the good life, this life of, 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 of satisfaction and all that kind of thing that we desire to live, that it, it, it involves growing up in our salvation. It involves understanding there's a bigger picture to life than us. And it, it involves, Lord, the, the willingness to, you know, have identity in Jesus and, and purpose in Jesus. Um, Lord, and, and all these other things that we talked about this morning, um, Lord, that are so important. I pray that the folks here would go home and look at, at this stuff, muse on it a bit this week, and ask themselves this question, what does it look like to grow up in my salvation, and am I doing it? And uh, God, I pray that you would cause us and grace us to become mature followers of Jesus Christ, living not necessarily for ourselves, but for your cause, Lord Jesus. And in the losing of our lives, the mystery is this, that we find our lives and we experience life as you meant it to be, Lord, full and satisfying. Thank you, Jesus, for this teaching. We love you and praise you. And all God's people said, 